Hey guys, JJ here. The Minnesota Rundown is sponsored by the Better Edge app. Better Edge is a legal online social betting marketplace that you can use real money to wager that allows you to post and engage with other sports betting fans, place no commission positions in an online marketplace, compete in direct head-to-head challenges, compete in public or private betting competitions, and buy or sell positions, whether that be spread, over-under, money line at current market prices. Use promo code 10K at betteredge.com to get a free $5 when you sign up and verify your ID. Once again, that's 10K at B-E-T-T-O-R-E-D-G-E.com to get a free $5. Are you guys looking for some kick-ass local clothing? Well, let us tell you about our friends at Soda Stick. Go to their website at sodastick.com, and hell, if you find something you like, there's no way you won't. Just enter the code 10KTAKES at checkout to get free shipping anywhere in the U.S., You'll certainly catch us wearing their top-notch apparel. Once again, it's SodaStick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K dot com, and use the promo code 10KTAKES. That's 10KTAKES to get free shipping anywhere in the U.S. This is the Minnesota Rundown, presented by 10,000 Takes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Minnesota Rundown, presented by 10,000 Takes. I'm, of course, your host, JJ Journalist Jake, because I'm allegedly the best damn journalist around until I am not. You're listening, like I mentioned, to another episode of the Minnesota Rundown, where we cover Minnesota sports in a unique comedic perspective, hopefully different from every other media outlet around. But I want to welcome on a very special guest that we have on this week. I'd say it's it's very appropriate for where we are and in, in the season, especially with the Vikings. We, I want to welcome on Matthew Collar. He covers the – that's how you say your last name, right? I don't want to be butchering that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Perfect. Matthew, Matthew Collar. He's uh he covers the Vikings for, for Purple Insider, particularly as he hosts uh the Purple Insider podcast, knows everything. I'd say he may be one of the most knowledgeable people to know Vikings football. So I would say it's 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 best to have I would say that you are the right guy to probably have on our show at this point in the season, Matt. I, I know I want to welcome uh you on the show. I appreciate you jumping on. Well, I appreciate that. Um there <laughs> I mean, in some ways, feels like you don't have to be that knowledgeable to look at the Vikings and sort of get a feeling for what's going on right now, right? I mean, uh, normally I'm the one that's trying to tell you whether they should switch left guards. But in this case, when you are, what, 10 of your last 25 games you've won and you're in 10th place in an NFC that's no good and your coach is in his eighth season with only two playoff wins, um, you know, I, I, it doesn't take a genius to get the idea that, uh, this is a really tense situation at the moment for the Vikings. Yeah, it's, 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 I think that's like a bit of an understatement to say everything's just so tense. It's just, uh, it's, it's been crazy, but I know we'll kind of get on, get into that a little later on. The first thing I want to hit on is of course, uh, go over football or also in the height of their season. That has been frustrating, not to the extent of what we've seen with the Vikings per se, but it has been frustrating when you see them lose to Bowling Green. Then they kind of redeem themselves a little bit. And then they lose to Illinois last week, who is, you know, last place in the West, one of the bottom teams in the Big Ten. But now it's Iowa week. I think people kind of forgot about that. They're just focused on hopefully going into Iowa 
where they have not won at Kinnick Stadium since 1999, which is insane to me. I mean, that's, but that's Minnesota. We're used to hearing stats like that, you know, losing streaks. So it's whatever. But and from your perspective, I know you cover the Vikings, but from what you maybe have seen from PJ Flex squad this year, I mean, do they do they totally redeem themselves potentially for a second time this season after dropping a game they shouldn't have lost? But they do do they do that at Iowa this upcoming weekend? I think it's always possible just because the Big Ten is the Big Ten. And since nobody ever wants to put up a lot of points, um, you could always have things go your way. But there's a few things I don't really understand about the Gophers. I mean, number one is what exactly their offense is. And I know that I cover the NFL and the NFL, um, you know, kind of has a lot of the best offensive minds, maybe not always the Vikings offensive coordinator in this situation, but um, you know, they, they run their professionals. So they run more complicated stuff and they're not standing there and looking over at the sideline every time they need help reading a defense. So it is a different story. But what I don't understand is you sit, you're in the shotgun and you hand off up the middle for two yards. And I know their running backs are injured, so that's part of it. But there's no real creativity there. It's just shotgun, handoff up the middle, two, three yards, two, three yards. And then all the passing plays seem to be, let's just launch it up to somebody and hope somebody catches it. Like This appears to be the mm-hmm. entire offense. Uh, and I don't really understand that. I mean, for someone like P.J. Fleck, who is a very excitable guy, you sort of expect a younger, excitable fella to be cutting edge offensively. Like we tie these things to Sean McVay, I guess. And that just does not seem to be the case. Uh, The only year where they've had an offense that anyone could get excited about, they had two NFL wide receivers. So throw the ball up to your NFL wide receivers actually made some sense. Uh, But the way that it's constructed now, it just seems to get Tanner Morgan sacked and intercepted constantly. And all the running backs hurt, I guess. I I don't know if that's his fault. And then uh, you just, if you play decently against anyone, they add more years onto PJ Flex contract, which also doesn't make a whole lot of sense because this idea of settling for a good year is eight and four, a good year is seven and five or something. I've never really understood this about go for football, about setting the standard there and saying, well, we've, we're locked into a halfway decent, not horrible, not atrocious season. Give that man an extension. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not one of those people who's like put off by PJ flex personality. You just look at the body of work and I just don't see much there to write home about. And then you read that he's extended through the end of my life at with the Gophers, And I, I guess I can't really make a whole lot of sense of that. You no, know, you make a good point when you talk about PJ Fleck being like he should be this Sean McVay, this young coach. When you brought him in, like, hey, we should be having the stellar defense offense. And I've mentioned so many times, like, at being most of the games this year, like I, I've seen similarities to a Mike Zimmer. I'm like, why are why are why are we running up the middle here constantly? We're running on this play when we should be passing to a guy like Chris Ottman Bell. You still have Dalen Wright. You still have a couple of solid receivers, maybe not to a talent that we had two years ago, but you still have some receivers. And it's like some games, then they go out and they attack. And then and then they just have a game like last week against Illinois and earlier in the season against Bowling Green, where it's like, what is this offense trying to do? And and you're questioning it like it's a Mike Zimmer's offense with the Vikings. And you're like, PJ, come on, man. We, we don't want to be like in a situation like Mike Zimmer now, man. So that it's frustrating to see that that's exactly what I was been thinking is that this should be more cutting edge and it really hasn't been. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, even, you know, the Vikings offense, it has, 
know, bunch formations. It has motions. It has multiple different types of running schemes. And I mean, I, I guess it, they could try to tell me that they have some of these things, but I've just rarely seen them. It seems like line up in the shotgun and then try to throw it deep is most of your strategy. Uh, I guess with the Vikings, you'd like to see more jump balls for Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson in comparison. But I mean, there's not even really like a, a definitive run scheme that you would say, okay, well, they're they're a zone team, they're a duo, they're a you know so, something like this. It just seems to be this RPO type of thing, which might work if you had a quarterback who could run with it. But the other team never has to be concerned at all with the quarterback running with it. And then it might be good if you could hit on a bunch of slants and over the middle and quick game type type of stuff. But they don't seem to do that either. And it's possible that defenses know exactly what they're trying to accomplish and they start jumping those routes and they say, all right, we're going to put man on man with your receivers and make them beat us and make Tanner Morgan actually complete those throws down the field. But the la- it's like the last time I watched, it wasn't different from the time before and it wasn't different from the time before. And so there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of adjustment there. So I don't feel like, or I've never felt like at any time you were talking about an offensive guru or offensive genius, it seems to be entirely, well, the guy can recruit decently because he's very excitable. And I will say this about PJ that, I mean, I think he is a good face of a college program. Like he is a guy that's always going to come across well in interviews and always seem like he cares, which I Mm -hmm. would guess that he does a lot about his players and things like that. And so his, his whole vibe and persona, I think is overall positive for you. And it's not like it's been a disaster with him. So I, I'm not saying that no. you know he should be fired. It's just that to extend him and then lose to Illinois is sort of classic Minnesota. But also just mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if someone else wants to hire the guy. It's not like you were in the Rose Bowl. So I, is that such a tragedy if that came about? I don't know. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe they view it that way. Is hey, if we can have a decent program. That's fine. It's never been really a shoot for the stars program, but it just feels like this classic Minnesota thing to just be, mm-hmm. okay, we're not horrible. That's good enough. Yeah. And, and th- like you mentioned, like they not only got the seven year contract, but they also get ranked 20th in the college football poll. And I'm like, this is just going to jinx it this week. I, I mean, we're, I was talking last week, this is a trap game. And sure enough, they, they lose. And it, it's just, this inconsistency out of PJ, you see some games where it's like, oh, this is great. But then some games where it's like, this is just looks shitty. I mean, this doesn't, there's nothing going for them. It, nothing's clicking and it, it's frustrating, but it is classic Minnesota. You can't expect a lot, but it is funny and ironic that you sign the guy for seven years and then you go and lose to a team like Illinois. It's just, it's ridiculous. But the big 10 has been weird this year. I know Iowa struggled against Northwestern. I'm just hoping they can go into Kinnick and, Potentially get a win. I, I might actually be there, so we'll we'll, we'll see what uh, we'll, we'll see what comes about there. Do you do you predict if you can predict at the top of your head? Do you think you think PJ Fleck and company go in there? They get a win. What do you think? I'm gonna say no. I mean, Iowa has long just mm-hmm. been a more talented team than Minnesota. Uh, if I mean the way that they couldn't move the ball against Illinois, why would I think they can move the ball against Iowa? So. I mean, it's, it's always football is always sort of a week to week thing. You can look like the worst team. You can look like the best team, but Iowa is a pretty legit football team outside of one bad game that they had this year. To me, it feels like, uh, I don't know, 
18 to six or something type of game. That's just mm-hmm. classic, classic big 10 football. And I, what the thing is that if you felt like there was an easy answer there, well, if they were only doing this or just got the ball to this guy more often or took this approach, then I think you could say, all right, well, maybe there's a chance they could fix what went wrong last week, but when what went wrong last week is their team. Like that's the season. It's how they looked for most of the game against Nebraska. They got ahead and then it was interception and just punts and giving opportunities to even Nebraska to be in that game, but they're Nebraska. So they didn't take advantage. Um, But you know, not if you can't move the ball and you're constantly turning it over and getting sacked, that's pretty hard to play a team that likes ball control and defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it, it, like you said, it's week to week. Anything can happen. The Gophers have responded well once this season when they lost to Bowling Green and everybody thought the season was going to crumble and they ended up winning three or four straight after that, including a, what now looks good, a, a win on the road in Purdue. So I guess... Th- Maybe they'll respond well, but it, it's it's hard to say realistically that they go in there get a win in a place they haven't won in 22 years after the way they played against Illinois. But we'll we'll have to see what happens. See how it pans out. It's just it's always a fun time playing seeing those big rivalry games, playing for the Floyd of Rosedale, playing for the Bacon. We'll we'll, we'll see uh, we'll see what happens there. But before we move into Viking stock, really quick, um, are the Timberwolves done? Is it over? I feel like it's just done. It, they they start two zero. And everybody hypes them up, and they just crash and burn. And I still see people people saying, like, all over socials, like, hey, uh, no, they'll come back. I'm like, have you seen the Timberwolves for the last 15 years, minus one year? I mean, realistically, I, I, they already eliminated from the from playoff contention. I wouldn't say from playoff contention, no, um, because they let everybody and all of their friends into the playoffs in the NBA. So if you know, some mm-hmm. things go oh, wrong yeah, right. for some other teams. I mean, you've always got a chance to make an eight seed or something. And I, and they, I really don't think that they're as bad as they've looked recently, that just going through the roster, you have enough talent. Um, D'Angelo Russell, the other night, they should not have blown a 20-point lead. But with, D, with D'Angelo Russell in the lineup, at, at least they should be able to score. And their defense in spurts has been better than it was last year. And everyone outside of Russell getting banged up a little bit has been healthy. I think eventually you end up with sort of a win one, lose one type of team. If there's not a catastrophic injury, the thing that sort of concerns me though, to that end is they won some games early and had some good moments. And then the minute that they had a bad game, they were calling each other out like Anthony Edwards after the game, like we got to do this and you got to do that and everything else. It's like, okay, not a whole lot of confidence that you're actually a good team that the first time you have something go wrong in a full NBA season after the game, everybody's sort of pointing fingers. And it feels like a, a very downtrodden type of team, just a couple of days into the season where it's like, Carl is tweeting that he makes millions of dollars and he's got to step up and all these things, which we've heard from Carl Anthony Towns many times. And it just, it feels like it has the talent of a team that should be around 500. That's growing to be Mm -hmm. something better. And yet the smallest bump in the road throws them for a complete tizzy and they just lose and lose. So that's where I feel like when I look at the roster talent, I think, well, that should Mm -hmm. be like a fringe playoff team. Uh, But the other part of it too is, I know that people got on Tom Thibodeau because he was not a likable character. Like he was standing on the sideline and be like, Carl, why aren't you switching? What's your problem? Like, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. 
And he never smiled. And so everyone thought, and, and post games were so uninteresting with tips. It was just, we're going to have to execute better and whatever, you know, that kind of thing. But he's a professional basketball coach with a great history of coaching the Bulls, mm-hmm. uh, what the Boston Celtics back in the day, right? Was an assistant. I mean, he had been around for a long time and he knows what he's doing. And their recent coaches since Tibbs, Ryan Saunders in over his head, very tough situation. Seems like a great guy, but like, mm-hmm. you know, in over his head way too soon to put him in that spot. And then Chris Finch with no experience of doing this before either. And you have a team that doesn't have experienced players from winning either. And it's like, okay, well, all these other teams do these, you know, these good teams, they have experienced coaches who have won or star players who have gone to the playoffs. And it seems like already they've shown that from their coach to their star players, they don't know how to handle when anything goes wrong. And that would concern me because seasons can really, as we've seen many times with the wolves spin out of hand. Yeah. It just, it just sucks. Cause if you do look at their roster, you do see a little bit of differences from the teams that have been down in past years. Of course, minus the Jimmy Butler year, you do see a team that, Oh, maybe they can get something going. Cause Anthony Edwards has been a treat to watch. I mean, he's been fun to watch. He's a good, like a guy that could revamp this franchise and you got D you got, you got cat that's hope, you know, he's really hungry I think, to do something and you have a decent roster that you look at. Yeah. Playoff team, but it's like, with the stigma of the Timberwolves and you and you start two and oh, and then you proceedingly drop the next five of six games or six of seven games or whatever. Now they think they're like three and six. It just doesn't look good if you're a Timberwolves fan, knowing the history around this team. You're like, they're just right up. No, business as usual. Like you kind of like get a little into it. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, back to normal, you know. And obviously there's still time. When I asked you the initial question, it's very joking, you know, like, oh, are they done? Uh, technically, way no, you know, they're still in it. But it, it just, when you look at patterns of past years, you're just, fans are like, oh, well, crashing and burning. Business as usual. Nothing to see here. Move along. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't blame you for asking the question because you have seen it just light on fire so quickly, so many times that when they start to show those signs, we all recognize them. And part of it is just... <laughs> Um, there was a debate not that long ago about, you know, post-game press conferences and things like that. And are they necessary and how much can you learn from them? And uh, the Wolves, like the, the, to me, I, I love looking through those quotes and, and seeing what people had to say, because you can really learn a lot about how they're viewing themselves. And when Anthony Edwards said something like, we need to all share the ball or play differently somehow on offense, it, it was just like, wait. The second year guy, and I know people like Anthony Edwards and he has had his moments so far, but second year guy is just calling everybody out and there's no other veteran player and Carl's never been this guy. There's no other veteran player to be like, Hey man, like, cool it. We just lost one game. Like you, you shouldn't handle it that way. You shouldn't be freaking out and calling everybody out, but there's no one to really say that to him. Um, The other thing is too, if Anthony Edwards doesn't shoot better from downtown, I mean, it's just going to be hard for him to be a guy who carries a team. I mean, it's just the NBA these days and his shooting so far, I'm not saying this is going to last forever, but in terms of this season, it's it's going to have to get better from three. And it seems like there's a lot mm-hmm. of stretches of, well, Anthony Edwards has missed his last five threes in a row. Like, well, that's, you know, that's, you're seeing the learning process of this guy. And if he doesn't 
um, you know, improve some of these things and sort of mature quickly and become a leader. He's a guy who's uh, really not ready for this and, and just thrown into, oh yeah, you're the, you're the franchise guy now. And then if you're Carl, you're like, mm-hmm. whoa, wait a minute. What? And, uh, <laughs> but you know, of course, Carl, he's, he's, he's also got that Twitter account to worry about that got hacked and favorited one tweet. So you got to be worried about that. Yeah. Hackers out there favoriting single tweets and then logging off. You got to be concerned about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to be concerned about a lot of things with the Timberwolves, I feel like, on a yearly basis. And, and yeah, you, I want them to do well. You know, I think so many people are turned off. I've been turned off by them in, in 15 years because I've heard every year, oh, no, this is their year or they're just a couple years away, a couple years past, and they still – they don't do anything. So – it, it, it's one of those things I hope I wish for the best. And this roster seems to, something a little different and they still can turn it around. And if they turn it around after starting off good, then kind of teetering and they actually come back a little bit in the season. That's different from past years where if they do start kind of teetering downward, they can't recover. So if they recover, it's something a little different, but enough of the wolves. We don't want to de- depress people. Uh, well, this, uh, not that this topic is going to depress, but I want to get why well, I could say into the meat of things, because this is your, this is your expertise, the Minnesota Vikings. And I, I think a lo- the main question I have, and, and I think everybody has is like, what in the hell is wrong with this team? I mean, it's like, and we obviously just, we were just discussing before the show, you had mentioned that there's obviously the negative news around Delvin cook and, his potential being in some negative behavior with uh, with a girlfriend, and but I mean even beyond that, I mean that's just adding fuel to the fire. I think of of this of this season. But my personal point of view is, I I mean, are the coaches like Mike Zimmer? Are they actually looking at film after not necessarily their first couple losses because they were kind of like okay, there was the fumble, there was the missed field goal, but like against Dallas or even last week against you know. Uh, I'm whoever they played this last week. I'm blanking. Uh, the the Ravens. Baltimore. I mean, yeah. are they actually looking at film and reviewing what the hell they did wrong? Because I feel like you hear Zimmer saying, "Oh, we're going to correct this," and it just he goes back to what they did wrong the week before. It's like they're repeating the same mistakes every damn week. I mean, what is going on with the 2021 Minnesota Vikings from your perspective? I mean, you you bleed. Breathe Vikings. You're, you're involved in it. What, what is your take on this season so far? Yeah, I think, I mean, in one way, so, uh, close games are, can be sort of random. Now I'm not saying that it's entirely random where they stand, but uh, mm-hmm. when you play close games with teams, sometimes you win those and sometimes you lose those. And we've seen that from the Vikings. It's like how they play fundamentally keeps teams in it because they don't, put the nails in the coffin uh, and yet how they play also keeps them in it with other teams. Even if the other team is better or more talented than them, we've seen that especially against like Arizona because they do have their moments on offense. They do have their moments on defense and they had big plays in that Ravens game, a 50 yard touchdown, a 60 yard run an interception by Anthony Barr star players making big plays. But I think of it like this, when you talk about going back and trying to fix the issues that you have, it's sort of like, if you have a house and uh, you try, you see some paint chipping off and you say like, oh, I, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to get a new coat of paint. We're going to go look at it. We're going to paint over that. Uh, but the foundation is cracked and you have weight bearing mm-hmm. load uh, poles in the basement that are bent. 
And there's no real paint that you can put over that. And what I mean is when you look at the roster and the quarterback, you have a quarterback who is probably the 12th to 15th best quarterback in the league, uh, can play in spurts like one of the better quarterbacks in the league, but over a, a whole season, he's sort of been that guy. And he has got the second highest salary cap hit in the league, which then makes it very difficult to add free agents. So what you have to do in free agency is you have to go bargain hunting. And they did that this offseason. They did a lot of bargain hunting. The problem with bargain hunting is that some of your bargains, um, if you do this for Christmas, some are great gifts and people go, I can't believe you found this for me. Great. Xavier Woods and other ones are Bashad Breland. Uh, and that's just how, that's the nature of it. Sheldon Richardson just showed up last week to play because he's making $2 million. And there's a reason why the Cleveland Browns moved on and brought in Jadavian Clowney, right? Uh, because they knew that he was probably past his prime, Sheldon Richardson. He's in his thirties. And that's a big part of it. The offensive line. Think about that. We're drafting this left tackle, but he's going to move to guard. Uh, we're going to draft this other tackle. He's going to move to guard. That will be fine, even though they've never played these positions before. But that's the spot you end up in when you pay a quarterback that much and then try to sign everybody else. They gave Dalvin Cook a huge contract. They gave Anthony Barr a huge contract. Uh, they just signed Harrison Smith to an extension, and they were already paying him a lot. Eric Hendricks is, is very well paid. And so you have a lot of uh, top heaviness to your roster, which means that those stars, they equal the other team stars most of the time, but the rest of the roster, it's, it's just not a great top to bottom roster. It's very, very top heavy. And then, you know, with the offensive coordinator situation, I think Clint Kubiak is probably a pretty smart guy uh, and he's got good experience. I mean, he was a quarterback's coach and he's been around, but being an offensive coordinator is tough. I mean, I was just questioning mm -hmm. PJ Fleck and their offense and everything else, but I, you know, I'm not saying I could call the offense and score a bunch of points either. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder than people think. It's not like Madden. I mean, there's a lot to it. Uh, and so you see, I think Clint Kubiak smarts when it comes to the game script, when they come out in the first quarter and score a touchdown every time, mm -hmm. you see it there, you see creativity and you see it mixed up, but as the game goes along, I, I think they don't really have an identity past what they've drawn out on paper. And that's where it, it takes a lot of experience. Gary Kubiak was like in his fifties, right? I mean, he had done it for a long time. So, you know, I think it's a combination of all those things. Um, also combined with just, you know, Mike Zimmer, maybe a couple of years ago when he makes those little mistakes running on second down, I know he's not the play caller, but he wants to run the ball probably more than they should or punting at the wrong spot or mismanaging timeouts the league has sort of adjusted to be a little more savvy with that. And so now I think we notice it more than we would have when, Hey, the other coach is making the same mistakes and it sort of evens out over a season. I think we're starting to notice that a little bit more. And then you have the addition of that, you know, Mike's just been doing this a long time now. Right. And you wonder about the whole gets stale sort of thing. It's a, it's some of the same players who have been around with the same coach. So, it, I mean, I know it's a long answer, but it's kind of like what ails the Vikings mm -hmm. is who they fundamentally are. And I'm always looking for solutions on my show and in my writing of, hey, what if they did this or could they try that or this other team is doing this? I don't know that there's an easy push the throw to Jefferson more mm -hmm. button. All of a sudden you just get yeah. back on track and you're a real contender, you know? I think that's like the excuse deep down. People want to think, oh, we're a good enough team to make a Super Bowl. 
And that's just like, let's just throw to Jefferson more and we have the team. In reality, I don't think a lot of people want to admit, Vikings fans, and for any sports fan, is that your team just isn't good enough. You know, it's just like going back to the 2018 NFC Championship game, 2017, I should say, being that was that season, we got killed to the Eagles and people were pissed off and all that stuff. And people were like, oh, it's destiny because it, we had the miracle game before and we're, the, the Super Bowl's in Minneapolis and people don't want to admit, like, I thought I was on board with that. I just didn't think we had a good enough team to make the Super Bowl in the end. We had a good enough team to make a miraculous play at the end. We should have maybe even lost to the Saints, Madden. And and sure, Zimmer has made some terrible mismanaged calls and all that, but it also comes down to maybe our, our O-line isn't even – the O-line has been breaking down. Uh, they haven't been sustainable. Uh, the run game hasn't been doing well, you know, and there has been some place where Kirk hasn't looked. Kirk, I think, has been doing enough to keep us in games, but he has some – he's had some, you know – eerie looking plays but like you said i don't think it's as easy as just one two three let's just pass the one more no that just that it, it just hasn't looked like that and the, it sucks because you do think the vikings they've been so close in a couple games and they do look like a team that can compete with almost every team in the league but the bottom line is is they're losing the, they're still losing these games by a few points they're just getting beat out and it's 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 annoying it is annoying as a fan to, to see that and i think this is where we're trying to scramble for a solution yeah, and a major part of it is that like, the team has its weaknesses, as you mentioned. So if you are looking at all the rosters in the NFL, who's got the strongest top to bottom depth, star players, quality starters? I mean, you probably put them middle of the league. I, 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 there's, a, there's a perception, I think, among some Vikings fans who think that they're at the top of the league in talent and they're just being held entirely back by their coaches. Yeah. And I, fundamentally reject that i don't think that's anywhere Mm -hmm. close to reality not when you're playing Mm -hmm. a guy at guard who just has never played there before and two other offensive linemen on the interior they're just just not good you're starting a rookie left tackle who looks like he's got potential but he's a rookie you so you have one reliable offensive lineman each week uh daniel hunter goes down you have no one else to rush the passer I mean, in your secondary, it's taped together with glue and pixie sticks or uh, popsicle sticks, I should say. Pixie sticks would fall apart quickly, but they have too. So I don't know. Uh, You know, I mean, Bashad Breland and Mackenzie Alexander and these guys that they just sort of brought in and said, all right, all of you hold it together and don't completely lose us games. Like that doesn't sound like a Super Bowl roster to me. And so when you have a pretty average roster with a quarterback who has well, well, well below average athleticism, a, a really great arm and a, a ability to make mm-hmm. any throw when he's got a chance, but he does, but he's not an athlete. And so if he misreads a defense or if it's a bad play call, or if a, a tackle or a guard misses a block, the play is just over most of the time. Mm-hmm. And you look around the league and you're playing Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was horrible in the first half of that game. And he still comes out with a win. He runs for over a hundred yards. He's making, he's making plays when things break down. Like this is the, this is the league and where it's going. This is the league and where it used to be uh, with those two teams. Baltimore is going for it on fourth down, even on their own side of the, the field. And then not that I think it was the wrong call, but just sort of like Zimmer not going for two at the end to try and put the nail in the coffin or to try to win the game. Uh, I think he made a fine call. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not criticizing that specifically, but it's just Zimmer's aggressiveness sort of comes and goes as opposed to being like, this is how he's going to do it. It's sometimes, Oh, today we're going for it on fourth down, but 
uh, this time we're going to go for mm-hmm. two. And then, you know, that sort of thing where it seems the decisions are not consistent as they are with Baltimore. And I think that was the difference. The Vikings for a good part of that game strongly outplayed the Ravens, but the Ravens play a, a brand of football that wins um, and they end up mm-hmm. k- coming out on top. Exactly. So I, I think what you end up with is just, that's how you end up with the foundation of an average football team. Mm-hmm. Yep. And to uh, kind of say in the words of Kirk Cousins, to answer the question of what's going on with this team, uh, it's a combination of factors, combination <laughs> of factors, combination of things. I swear he says that yes. all the time. Yep. It kind of drives me crazy, but they're stuck in mediocrity, I think, is the biggest thing. The last thing I'll kind of hit on here is they're stuck on mediocrity. They're stuck. And it's not to say they, they, they could come out and win their next two games, you know, beat a, a Los Angeles Charger team who I think they match up well, pretty well against, um, and then go four and five. And some will sneak away with the win in Green Bay against Green Bay here, being it's at home. That's still tough, but. Even then, they're around four and six. They're still around a wild card. I could still easily see them making a wild card, you know. But that's it's it just doesn't feel rewarding to make a wild card and then lose in the first game or or somehow squeak away with that and then get your ass kicked in the divisional round like they did two years ago. They're just on track for that at most, I believe, is like a divisional round exit getting their ass kicked. They just they just don't have that team that team to. They have a team that could make a wild card and and maybe win a game, but they don't. You got to have that depth, just like you do in hockey and every other sport, to make a run all into the championship. You know, you got to focus and have bigger aspirations beyond just making a damn wild card spot. And it's just kind of right. annoying to see the Vikings that's kind of focus on making first game of the playoffs, and that's it. Right. I mean, if you go eight and nine and make the playoffs, I mean where is this thing going? Like, is it going in a direction that seems better than where it was? Um, I mean, we're going on such a huge sample size now of Kirk Cousins at quarterback, Mike Zimmer at head coach, Rick Spielman at GM, two elite receivers, a really good running back, and not a whole lot of winning. <laughs> I mean, that's just, you know, they've tried lots of different stuff. They've tried different schemes with the quarterback. They've tried free a bunch of free agent signings and this setup I don't think is really built to succeed more than just to hang around in games and you're right that at any given time you can hit the right part of the schedule and who would be surprised if they beat San Francisco Detroit Chicago once or twice I mean no one would be shocked by that if they made a run late in the season to Mm -hmm. get in the playoffs but that's not really where anyone set the bar this year this year was, hey, prove that you could be more than that because that's what you've been every single year is this team barely hoping. I mean, think about their best year with Cousins. They're a six seed when there were only six seeds. You know, you're going on the road for the mm-hmm. playoffs. You didn't have very good Super Bowl odds at all. And that's not what anyone signed up for. So you have to look at it from a broader picture instead of, hey, maybe we can play this nickel corner instead of that one. That's that's the paint. Um, but the foundation of this head coach quarterback and general manager has proven now over a pretty big sample size that it can't really compete. And and the salary cap situation too. The people who say the salary cap isn't real, I would ask why Oli Udo is starting a guard then. Because if the salary cap was not real, you'd have somebody who's a free agent that you would have spent a lot of money on. Um, but uh, you know the salary cap problem, that's not going away with as expensive as quarterbacks are. Mm. And if they sign Cousins again, I mean, you're talking about 40 plus million dollar type of contract money. So 
Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a thing that I think everyone knows that the train is on a certain track. I think we all know where it's going and we're just sort of waiting for it to get there and seeing what happens along the way. Yeah, and one final question before we wrap this up. Do you see Mike Zimmer at all getting fired this this season? Like if you were to lose this week, would if, if they go three and six, is, is, is he gone or do they wait till the end of the season, no matter what happens? I would be surprised if they just mailed it in. And I mean, because that's really saying the season is over. Uh, if they mm-hmm. go to three and seven and Green Bay runs them out of the building, that becomes more possible. If they lost 35 to 10 at home, and I believe, is that game on national TV too? I mean, that right there, that might yeah. matter. Yeah, that might matter. So that, but aside from that scenario, I think they just let it play out. I mean, the same thing sort of happened with mm-hmm. Les Frazier where everybody knew like, ah, I think this is not working. It's probably going to come to an end and they just let it go all the way. But there is a point if the, if the scenario laid out where they lose to LA and Green Bay and it's ugly, where it's going to feel like if that happens, if they lose by 20 to both those teams, then that whole we're playing close games, we're fighting, that's out the window and the season is yep. lost. And at some point as an ownership, you have to show everyone we're not going to keep doing this. Why don't we show you now instead of waiting until the end of the season? Yep. I just think there's those crazy Vikings fans that are kind of like, Oh, get rid of them. Now I'm like, they're, they're just not going to do that. Even at three and five, when they're at a game out of a wild card, there's still, you know, eight games There's still nine games to play in the season. They're just not, it's not going to happen. And we list it out. It's beyond, a lot of coaching issues, but it's obviously, as Kirk would say, combination of factors. So it's a lot of different things. So, but uh, good, uh, good discussion there. And uh, I think that I, I was going to say too. I, I hope people don't go after your head for saying Clint Kubiak is actually a smart guy because I know there's people that are, I think, outright. Like I would agree with you, but I just know there's people out there that are just probably irate. Oh, Kubiak is terrible. How can you say such a thing? So I, oh, but, but I feel like you're used to getting getting ripped on by stupid people all the time it happens but but just real quick kirk cousins has had kyle shanahan sean mcveigh uh, jay gruden i think is a good offensive mind uh gary kubiak kevin stefanski the results have kind of always been like this and i'm not saying that click kubiak is great i'm not and i think that when they get off the script he's maybe a deer in the headlights or just inexperienced but I, I would also say that when you have the same pattern with the same quarterback year after year after year, I don't know that there's a magic wand to wave to say, oh, this will fix the the issues that are who this quarterback is. That's that's kind of the point. Um, so I that that's what's hard is like who who could do better? Well, maybe a little better, like you know, Kubiak and Stefanski, but also they've had a, a tough schedule this year, the Vikings have. So that has always been a problem. They just don't tend to beat winning teams. Um, I guess I'm just, if we're like spreading it out to reasons why their offense is just wholly unimpressive and keeps teams in the game when they get ahead. I mean, Clint Kubiak gets a good chunk of it, but I think it's really probably the guy who you think it is. Like the guy who's got the football in his hands. If he doesn't like a call, he should change it. Right. Or if he gets Mm -hmm. a, if you're, if you're great quarterbacks get pressured, they make plays. Those aren't things that happen. So anyway, that's just to clarify that take. 
just clarify that just so, but people will still rip on you probably for no reason. Yes. Uh, even if you give a reason behind it, cause that's just social media and Vikings fans in general. Some can be very, very extremely toxic, but um, I think that will wrap up this, this episode, Matthew. I, I, I really appreciate you jumping on, jumping on the show before we fully wrap this up. Do you, do you have any, any final thoughts, any final things you want to get off your chest? <laughs> No, um, I can't believe the Gopher women lost their first game, though. Like, come on, man! It's supposed to be a good season for you. The uh, for, gonna have to bounce back uh, for for basketball under Lindsey Whalen. Yes, for Lindsay, yeah. under Lindsey Whalen's squad. Yeah, a lot, a lot of hype around her squad, especially. And I think, uh, and then the Gopher men's. I know uh, Ben Johnson's making his debut tonight. Um, I don't know what the score is currently. My phone's on airplane mode. Not. So people aren't rapidly texting me during the show, but I know they're debuting. But I think people who look to Lindsey Whalen to to hopefully stir some up at, at the U. So, um, but yeah, that's unfortunate. But long season, long season to go. But uh, yeah, again, Matthew, I want to thank you for coming on. Of course, Matthew Collar, uh, he's a covers the Vikings for Purple Insider. You can hear him on the Purple Insider podcast. Great stuff on there about Vikings. If you want to hear more Viking stuff. Just follow him on Twitter, too, at Matthew Collar, uh, right on there. Um, you put out some great stuff, great takes, and and uh, we appreciate you for coming on the on the uh, the Minnesota Rundown. And also, if any of you do not follow us, 10,000 Takes, you can, of course, just type in 10K Takes on any social media platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You'll see our 10K logo, our red, 10, red and white 10K logo. Find us there. Also, go to our website, 10KTakesMN.com. We have our fantastic, hilarious blogs on there as well. And also check out our other podcasts under our network. We have our, our MMA podcast, 10K MMA, our Wild Takes podcast, our dedicated Minnesota Wild podcast. We also have our football podcast, uh, third, third and Forever. Adam and uh, Kevin, both, one is a Vikings fan, one is a Packer fan. So that is always interesting episodes. And we also have our flagship we call our It's a Bit podcast, which is just our entertainment pop culture podcast i should say just look that up on any podcast platform if you want to look up 10,000 takes on any podcast platform you can see all of our podcasts beyond the minnesota rundown but again i want to thank matthew collar of purple insider for joining me today on this episode of the minnesota rundown i'm your host of course your host jj have a great week everybody Music.